Hi, I'm Sage and welcome to my podcast. Here I will chat with you about my adventures in romance and non-monogamy and all of existence really, starting from my strict fundamentalist Christian childhood all the way through to where I am today, practicing relationship anarchy and still trying to figure life out bit by bit. Here you can expect frank discussions about religion, about trauma, about monogamy and of course about sex. I hope you'll have fun, I hope you'll find it interesting and most of all I hope you'll join the conversation. Hello my beautiful friends, I'm coming to you on a Sunday evening from my friend Johnny's house where I will only be staying until tomorrow morning. So by the time you listen to this episode, I will be on the road. (sighs) I am so excited and so scared and my plans are more up in the air than I'd hoped they'd be. One of the places that I'm meant to be volunteering at that I already arranged with in December, early December, looks like they're about to cancel on me. They've been sending me sort of dodgy messages and I've just been getting a not good vibe from them, honestly. So I'm scrambling to find a new place to volunteer at because I'm hitting the road tomorrow and I'm going to be there in a week's time. But in the meantime... I have found beautiful friends who've offered to put me up every night of the week as Vote and I travel up. Tomorrow night we sleep over at a friend's house on a farm in Ladysmith in the Klein Karua, the Little Karua, I think you say in English. And then the night after that we camp in Grafranet in the deep Eastern Cape. And the night after that... I sleep over at my aunt's house in the free state and then after that hopefully in Gauteng and then I will be reaching Dahlstrom for the weekend where I'll be celebrating a friend's birthday with him and some more friends and we're going to be dancing and I'm very excited. And then the Monday after that, if everything works out, I start volunteering. I don't know where yet and there's only a week left so this is quite scary. Anyway, I'll keep you updated. Follow me on Instagram if you don't. I'm going to be posting pictures as I go along. I also intend to use this time to serve as inspiration for writing a bit more than I have been. I love landscapes. I love the aliveness of different kinds of landscapes. I love how they speak to us and how we leave parts of ourselves in every landscape. So I'm hoping to be in conversation with the places I drive through and write about the places I drive through and perhaps about the people that I talk to as I drive or at least about the places that talk to me. Just a few announcements before I begin this episode. Uh, I have launched a Patreon because I really would like to be able to gradually move into a space where I can create and have these kinds of conversations and make art and publish scenes and start with that second podcast that I've been Um, speaking about the one about the storytelling one where people send me their stories and I read it on the podcast anyway I would like to be able to do all of these things and somehow earn a living somehow stay alive and so I have launched a patreon page and I would love it if you feel called if you'd 
go and check it out and support me if that feels right to you. There are three different tiers with different benefits. I'm not going to expand on that too much right now because I've already spoken about it in my previous episode. But I'll leave the link below and then you can go and check it out. And I hope you'll join the community there. And then about today's episode. It took me two months to make. This is, as the title says, finally the episode about masturbation. And I had no idea that I had so many blockages about masturbation. I had no idea that it would be so hard for me to make. I thought it would be simple. And I spoke about it on Instagram and I solicited people's stories and people wrote. And then I started recording it and I hated everything that I said and I felt excruciatingly embarrassed about everything that I said. And then I half deleted it and pasted some pieces back together and tried to build up a new episode from the the recordings I'd made. And it just took me such a long time. And I think a large part of that was also wanting to do justice to the stories, the voices, to what other people sent me. And finally, I don't know. I don't know if I have been able to really honor every person's story that they shared with me in this episode as much as I would have wanted to. I don't know if I'm able to present it in the most interesting possible way. But I do just want to say to every person who sent me a story that I was deeply moved by your vulnerability, by your stories, and that I hope to do them justice in this episode. So here we go, the one about masturbation. If you've been following my podcast from the beginning, you'll know that my original intention was to really sort of take a winding tour through my own life and my own experiences and identify the the interesting themes that came up and spend an episode or two talking about these themes, gathering other people's stories about those themes. And so far, that is what we've done until we sort of got derailed by all my existential crises (laughs) that I spent a few episodes on. But if you'll remember, in episode two, I spoke about my upbringing in France as a child of South African parents and of extremely religious parents being raised in um, this this sort of um, extreme religious family in a secular country, and also about my experiences of childhood trauma with my abusive father. So I spent quite a bit of time exploring those themes in episode one and two, and then in episode four I spoke about the myth of the one, and specifically about my my preteen dreams of finding this one who would take me away and of realizing now or in recent years how much of that was not really about finding love per se but about escape and I explored all of these childhood crushes I had and how very often the idea of the one is surprisingly biblically sanctioned and it really permeates through our consciousness this idea that, you know, God created man and woman and they should leave their father and mother and cleave together. And how I really realized that, for me at least, but I think also for culture at large, religion has had a big influence on how we think about relationships and on what we think a relationship should look like. Even if we consider ourselves secular or non-religious, that still has a very big effect on how we approach relationships. So I've sort of discussed those concepts. 
And if we look at the timeline, we now come more or less to my preteen and teenage years and specifically to puberty. And I think the reason why I wanted to spend some time talking about puberty and talking about masturbation specifically is because although nowadays talking about masturbation is not that taboo and people make jokes about it and my friends and I talk about vibrators and sex toys and it's sort of part of the general, at least superficially part of the general conversation. I have never heard masturbation discussed by a person who has struggled with it, who has wondered about it, who has had shame about it, who grew up in an extremely religious setting or a setting where they didn't have words or understanding of how their sexuality was developing and what was happening to them. And that was definitely my experience as I entered into puberty. It was, I mean, not to put too fine a point to it, but it was hell. It was horrible. I had no idea what was happening. And I was wondering if that was the case for other people too. We have information now, we have, everything's out in the open, we have magazines talking about masturbation, we have sex shops advertising online. So everybody and their friend has a vibrator. But growing up, that was not the case. And everything was shrouded in shame and embarrassment and weirdness. And so I thought, you know, how about I tell you about my experiences? And how about I also ask other people if they have stories to tell about this? And you did. You really did have stories about this. So I think I'll start with myself, break the ice, and then we'll move on to some other stories by other people. And perhaps we should start at the beginning. I was about six, I think, when my parents first had the sex talk with us. More specifically, my dad had the sex talk with us. And I remember it as one of the cringiest experiences of my life. I'm not sure how I knew about sex before that, but I do remember that I knew enough that when my dad said he was going to tell us how people make babies, I started, <laughs> I started giggling uncontrollably before he even spoke. But it was that terrible, horrified giggle that you have when you are cringing into the depths of your soul and wish you weren't there. And... I think both my parents really wanted to communicate sex to us, to, to give us the sex talk, to talk about bodies in a way that was not prohibitive and shameful in the way that they had been raised, because I think neither of them ever had a sex talk from their parents, so they wanted to do it differently. And I have to say that they failed quite miserably. And here's a tip for parents. If you want to give your children the sex talk, one, use anatomically correct language. And two, be a safe person. If your children are afraid of you, if your children don't feel comfortable with you, if your children um, wish they could leave the room whenever you enter it, having the sex talk with them is not great. No matter how progressive you try and be, every word you say is just going to be even more cringy than it often is. So in our case... My dad called us into the room. I was the eldest child, so my siblings were even younger. And he said something along the lines of, and this was in Afrikaans, so it doesn't translate that well into English. But basically he said, when a mommy and a daddy really love each other, the daddy puts his parts in the mommy's parts. And he, he used very vague words. So I didn't know what those parts were. I was somewhat acquainted with a penis because 
because I had younger brothers and we changed the nappies. So I'd actually seen penises, which is interesting because I wasn't acquainted with my own anatomy. I was much more familiar with a penis than with a vagina. I had never done any exploration into my own body. I did not know that I had a vagina until much, much later. All I knew was I shouldn't look around. I shouldn't try and explore my own, own anatomy. It was somehow, I don't know how and where I internalized this, but I always knew not to look, not to dig around, not to try and see what my genitals look like. I didn't know what it was called. Like I said, my dad used a very vague word, like the, basically the Afrikaans version of parts. I kind of knew, I guess, that there was maybe like an orifice near where I peed. I wasn't sure how it all fit together. And I mean, looking back, I'm quite surprised actually at the fact that I never thought to just explore for myself, get to know my own genitals. But I like the thought never even crossed my mind. I just knew that everything there is shameful and not to be touched or looked at. And so for many years, that was the only thing I knew. When a mommy and a daddy love each other, the daddy puts his parts in the mommy's parts and then the mommy becomes pregnant. And actually for a very long time, I thought that people only had sex to have children. So, you know, if you have three children, then you've had sex three times. And I think because my dad spoke about it instead of my mom, my mom was more like a passive audience member, also cringing very much. And of course, we took our cues from my mom and the fact that my mom was sitting there just like cringing made us cringe more. Um... It just made the whole topic of sex just like something I avoided talking about, something I avoided thinking about. I just never went there. I also knew nothing about puberty. I knew later on my parents told me that I would get breasts and that I might get hair under my armpits. The rest was a big surprise to me. Uh, but no, they never told me what would happen to my body and my mind they never told me about the sex drive that would suddenly come up. And I had no idea what was happening once that started. So we moved to South Africa when I was almost 10. And probably about a year later, puberty set in. I remember paying it very little attention, the changes in my body, paying them as little attention as possible, being extremely embarrassed when I had to go to my mom and say, Mom, I think I need a bra. You know when you're a kid and you're angry at your parents because you're embarrassed? So I sort of marched into my mom's room and I was like, Mom, I need a bra. And I just looked down and ran out the room. And then my mom caught on and took me to the shop and bought me a bra. And it was just like, I remember it being so incredibly cringy. Which, looking back, why was it so cringy? Why was all of this so terrifying and embarrassing? Where did I learn that all of this was embarrassing? Like, why is getting breasts embarrassing? I don't know, but it was, and I just knew that it was, and the adults had already by then modeled to me that it was. And it's interesting how parents can transfer their shame to their children without doing it on purpose. You can't hide. You can't hide what's happening for you. You can't hide your shame to your kids. You will pass it on to them if you do not process it yourself. I don't think my parents ever maligned puberty, maligned our bodies changing. I think they actually tried to talk about it, but their embarrassment was so obvious that we felt embarrassed. In any case, I began developing all sorts of sexual feelings, although I didn't know that was what it was. I just knew that sometimes I'd get sort of a fluttering in my stomach. My body would feel different. I'd feel warm and sort of what I know now to be arousal. 
And this would especially happen if we watched a movie and people kissed. Or if I read a book and there was a sex scene in the book. Because that was my one and only access to any actual sexual information was in books. Because I read voraciously. And I remember feeling extremely guilty about this. I didn't actually know what was happening. But I remember reading books coming to the part where people had sex. And I mean, it was very vague sex. There was never any anatomical information, but you know, it would be something like the man and the woman approach each other and then kiss and take their clothes off. And I remember feeling this rush of blood up and down on my body and just like being super turned on and reading and rereading that little bit, usually less than half a page over and over again to prolong this moment of intensity for myself. And then afterwards, praying and praying and praying and apologizing to God and saying, I'm so sorry, I'm not going to do it again. And then before I knew it, I'd be glancing through a book again, trying to find the sexy parts again. Another thing I did was to daydream. And these would be extremely vague daydreams because I had no idea what sex entailed. So I would daydream about whichever boy I was in love with at that point. Even in broad daylight, I would go lie down on my bed, close my eyes, and daydream about the boy that I was in love with and how he would kiss me. And usually the daydream just sort of got vague at that point. I didn't know anything more than kissing. But just daydreaming about this boy kissing me would make my body feel all flush and alive. And then afterwards I would apologize to God and tell him I'm never going to do it again. Because one of the things that we were taught in church was that you sully someone else by thinking about them in a sexual way. I think somewhere Jesus said something like, even if you just think about committing adultery, you have already done it. The thought is just as bad as the action. And that was preached to us a lot. And so we were told that if you think about somebody in a sexual way, and again, my thinking of somebody in a sexual way was simply imagining them kissing me and then getting all hot and bothered about that. But if you think about somebody in a sexual way, you are dishonoring them. You are sullying their purity. You're basically, and I quote, this was actually said to us, raping them in your mind. And so, of course, my prayers afterwards, I would apologize to God. I would promise him to never do it again. And then I would apologize to the spirit of whichever hapless boy I was daydreaming about and take full responsibility and beg God to forgive this poor boy whom I had now sullied. And this carried on through the ages of 12, 13, 14. When I had been menstruating for about a year, I found out I had a vagina. And I found out because I started using tampons and my mom explained to me where to put the tampon which was my first introduction to the fact that I had a vagina. Before that, I had never gone there. I had not once touched myself or looked at myself in a mirror enough so to know that I had a vagina. So that was quite a revelation. And it took me another year at least before I discovered that I had a clitoris. So before the age of about 15... I had never masturbated. Like I said, I would, I would have daydreams, but I never dreamt of even touching myself. That was completely out of the question for me. I, it, 
it, it didn't come up. I didn't know it was an option. And even if it were an option, I very def- decidedly knew that it wasn't something that I was would be able to do because God would punish me and I would definitely go to hell. I was also terrified of dying before apologizing to God because then I would die after the sin but before the forgiveness. So at night, before falling asleep, I'd make sure to apologize for whatever sexual thoughts I'd had throughout the day, just in case I might die in my sleep. Anyway, so this... My first few years of being a teenager were just basically one constant state of confused horniness. <laughs> oh, I'm so sad when I think back to myself and just how much suffering could have been prevented if I had just known more things, if I'd just known how normal I was. Another funny thing was that I've, what little sexual knowledge I did have, I, ga- I gained from my dad's Oxford Dictionary. <laughs> My dad had the whole series of Oxford dictionaries in his office. And I remember somebody once used the word orgasm. Or I think I probably might have read it somewhere. And I snuck into my dad's office, took the volume O from the shelf, and looked up the word orgasm. And I don't remember every single word of this, but I remember the gist of the definition. It said, the peak of sexual excitement, usually accompanied by turgidity. And I had no idea what any of that means. The peak of sexual excitement, usually accompanied by turgidity. What is, what is turgidity? So then I took volume T from the shelf and looked up turgidity, which means swelling. So I don't know who made those dictionaries. I don't know who compiled that, but I'm still confused about this definition. Is an orgasm accompanied by swelling? Like, is there something I don't know? Like, what? What do they mean? Do they just mean that, you know, whether it's a penis or a clitoris, it gets engorged? Is that what they meant? Like, it, I just, it, even now, thinking back to that definition, it feels like completely vague and avoidant and inaccurate. But anyway, so that's what I knew about orgasms. I knew very little else. And I knew very little about my own body. And the funny thing is, that changed... <laughs> because of my mom. I'm going to have to remind my mom not to listen to this episode. She listens to every episode, but I think this one might be better if she sat it out. <laughs> so I'm actually going to call her before I, before I publish this episode. This all changed because of my mom. And I'm so grateful to her. We were driving in the car. I don't know where we were going. And we were talking about sex or something. And then my mom casually mentioned the fact that some people masturbate. And being completely ignorant about sex, but at the same time having quite sharp sexual antennas, being a teenager, I immediately pounced on the word and was like, what's that, mom? And because we were alone with my mom in the car, it was my sister and I and my mom, it wasn't that weird, cringy awkwardness that we would have talking about sex in my dad's presence. And my mom said... Oh, it's something people do when they, want, when they want to feel sexual pleasure. And I was like, you can do that if you're not married? And my mom said, yes, some people do that. And the way she said it made me think that it might not be wrong. She didn't say it in a tone of voice saying that's disgusting or terrible or filthy or God does not condone it. She just said, yes, that's the thing that some people do. And I was like, how do they do that? And then my mom said... Well, what women usually do is there's a sort of a, a, there's an area of your genitals, and then she kind of explained that, and usually women kind of tend to rub that until it starts feeling nicer and nicer and nicer. 
And that was the first I heard of a clitoris existing. Of course, I'd been aware of the fact that, you know, if I sat in a certain way, it would feel pleasant. But as I mentioned before, I'd never gone there before. And I remember after my mom said that, the conversation died off shortly after that, because it was still a very awkward conversation, if less cringy than the previous ones. I remember just being puzzled by this. And it took me maybe another month before I took the plunge and decided, okay, well, my mom spoke about this as if it is a thing that people do. She didn't say that it's wrong. Maybe I can touch myself. And so I did. And I, I had no idea what it was meant to, to feel like. I, thought of, I sort of thought, I sort of thought this orgasm, whatever that might be, would happen like maybe 30 seconds in, you know, you kind of rub and then there's this magical peak of pleasure. So I did that and I stopped and I was like, well, I guess that's what it feels like. But then I kind of wanted to do it again. So I did it again and I carried on trying this for a few weeks. And then one day I did it for long enough to actually have an orgasm. And my mind was fucking utterly blown. I was like, oh my word. How is everybody not constantly doing this? This is amazing. <laughs> and it really was. Like I had not known that this was a thing that could happen, that I was allowed to do that your body could do so by the time I actually started masturbating I was about 15 and I just would take to locking myself in the loo and masturbating it was hard because we're five kids so getting privacy is not that easy and waiting until nighttime was not an option because I was really excited about this new find <laughs> And I remember just walking down the streets or going to a shop and looking at all the people in the shop and thinking, these people have all had orgasms. Like, what? How is everybody acting so normal? It was just mind-blowing to me. And by then, so by the time I'd actually discovered masturbation, I think I'd done... I was kind of over the whole shame thing, or over most of it at least. I'd wrestled for three, four years, apologized to God endlessly. So by the time I actually came to this, I sort of, my apologies to God sort of petered out. But there was still some lingering shame attached to it. I remember feeling gross. And for a long time, after masturbating, after having an orgasm, sort of feeling empty and embarrassed. And that lasted into my early 20s, honestly. And I think the fact that my mom had told me about masturbation and the fact that she had tacitly condoned it definitely helped alleviate a lot of the shame. But there were still many lingering stories that stuck with me for a long time. One of those was I still tried extremely hard not to think about any person or a situation whilst masturbating because I was still very much convinced of the fact that if you think about someone in a sexual way, you're dishonoring them. So me, masturbating, trying to not think about anything remotely sexual whilst doing it. So there was still that struggle. There was also somewhere, I don't know if I heard this, if I learned this in church or if I just learned this societally, but there was kind of the, the idea that masturbation is kind of 
the thing you do if you're sexually weak, if you give in to your fleshly desires. So even though by then I didn't think it was a sin anymore, I still thought it was kind of weakness. Like, uh, like, like Paul said in the Bible, it is not good for man to burn with desire, so let him rather get married. I felt like masturbation was selling out, giving in to your body. So something to try to not do at least, which didn't work at all. I did it very frequently. But there was definitely this thought that meeting your person, getting married, and then having God condone sex, that's first place. And masturbation is kind of the embarrassing thing you do in the meantime, so as not to actually sin. So, you know, you masturbate in the hopes that that'll prevent you from having premarital sex. Later on, when I was about 16 or 17, the church that we were in at that point said, all masturbation is wrong. And I think that was an incredibly harmful teaching. It definitely was a harmful teaching to many of the other children in the church and in the cell group. Fortunately, by then, I was kind of over it. I had, I don't know, there's something about the church trying to make you feel ashamed. After a while, it stops working. Like if you get messages over and over and over again that the way you are is wrong, some of that does seep in and some of them stayed within my system for very long. But the more obvious, the more overt and blatant shaming after a while just didn't work on me anymore. Like I said, however, that did, that did sort of give way to more subtle shame. Like I wondered if I was doing it wrong. Why does it take so long for me? Does it take this long for everybody else? The boys in my school started talking about fingering and I was like, that's not how I do it. Is that how I'm supposed to be doing it? You know, there were all of these words, all of these rumors floating about about people masturbating and I always wondered if the way I do it is weird. Do I do it too often? Do I take too long? Am I normal? Is my body normal? And we'll talk about that more in the next few episodes when we're going to talk about my first sexual encounters. But suffice it to say that there was still some lingering shame. And that only really went away in my 20s when I realized that this, this gross feeling I had after masturbation and this gross feeling I often had after sex wasn't actually my gut. It wasn't my intuition telling me I was doing something wrong. It was my indoctrination. Like shame can make you feel gross. And shame is never your intuition. And I think that's something that, that comes up for many people who have religious trauma is you don't know what is your intuition anymore and what is the church's teachings that have seeped so deep into your soul that you have internalized it. When is it you not wanting to do something or when is it you truly wanting to do something and when is it the things you've been taught that are having such a deep unconscious effect on you? And I think one of the the damages that that does is that you never learn to listen to your body because your body is a storehouse full of shame and you kind of avoid listening to it or paying it any attention until things get really urgent. So this legacy of feeling ashamed about what was happening in my body, about the desires that I felt, about touching myself, for me one of the most lasting effects that had was being divorced from my body and in fact ending up in many compromising situations because I felt so sullied by then. I felt so ashamed already by then. I felt so wrong anyway that I might as well continue doing whatever I was doing. I never learned how to listen to my yes. 
And so when a no came along, it was just another no in a very long series of other no's. And I couldn't distinguish my own internal no from the no that I had been bombarded with by church, by society at large, and by my own family. So basically, for me, masturbation was a revelation. And interestingly enough, the more I explored that, the more I did manage to throw off shame. And my experience of it was generally positive. I think what also helped was by then it had started entering public conversation. I remember buying an Oprah magazine when I was about 16 or 17. And there was an article in there about masturbation by a doctor who said that it's really good for your health to masturbate frequently. And I was like, oh, not only are people actually saying the word, but apparently this is good for me. And there is no hint anywhere in this magazine, which admittedly is a secular magazine and the pastor doesn't agree with what they say. But nonetheless, there is nothing in this magazine that says it's bad or wrong. And just all of those tiny little messages did start working against the indoctrination and the shame that I had been really bombarded with before that. But still looking back, I just think it could have been so much easier, you know, if I'd known about my anatomy, if I'd known about masturbation, if I'd known about what would happen to my body once I go into puberty. I just think a lot of suffering could, be, could have been avoided. So after thinking about this, this, what I wanted to talk about and how I wanted to tell my own story, I was curious about how many other people also felt shame when they started masturbating. And so I posted a poll on Instagram on my stories and I asked, did you feel ashamed when you first started masturbating? Yes or no? And the results were pretty evenly divided about Roughly, I think 48% of the people who voted said no, and 52% of the people said yes. So slightly more yeses than no, slightly more people who said they felt ashamed than not. But the other result that really stood out for me was the respondents themselves. First of all, the majority of my followers are women, but the people who voted were more men. So although lots and lots of women saw my story, few of them actually responded to the poll, which I thought was weird because, I mean, it's I mean it's not fully anonymous. I can see who voted, but nobody else is going to see it. So that really struck me. And the other thing that really struck me was the fact that of all the people who said that they didn't feel guilty once they started masturbating, only two were women. All the others were men. Almost every person who said they didn't feel guilty when they started masturbating is a man. Of the people who did say that they did feel guilty when they started masturbating, the results were pretty even. Many were men and many were women. But So although there were some men and some women who felt guilty masturbating, there were almost no women who didn't feel guilty. And that was really fascinating to me. And so at this point I decided to ask for people's stories, to hear what people's experiences were. So I asked on Instagram for any willing person to send me the story of how they discovered masturbation, what their relationship to it is and was as a child or a teenager first discovering this and, you know, what what their experiences were, whether embarrassing or funny or whatever the range of experiences were. 
And again, it was interesting that at first, especially, mainly men responded. And their responses ran the gamut from really funny. <laughs> um, one responder wrote me saying he had been in the habit of sort of playing with himself really unthinkingly, not really paying much attention to it, almost as a self-comforting thing. And then one day something happened and his body responded and he didn't quite know what was going on. So he asked a friend, what is this? Um, and that was actually interesting because quite a few of these respondents who sent me their stories said that they asked a friend or that a friend had told them about it or that um, they were so excited about masturbation that they immediately phoned a friend and said, listen, look at this cool thing that I discovered or even watched porn together. So it seemed as if amongst boys at least this was an easily covered topic like they easily spoke about it that doesn't mean that all the stories I received from men were unequivocally positive I also received quite a few from them saying that they felt very very ashamed one said he believed he absolutely believed he was going to hell he kept trying to stop and to this day he feels ashamed of his urges and his sexual responses to to people Another one said that he, to this day, also feels guilty about masturbating at all because he believes that it probably should only be something that happens between two people and that it's sort of self-indulgent to give in to masturbation and that it hinders intimacy with another person, which I thought was an interesting idea that I had also heard told to me when I was a teenager this idea that if you masturbate you will prevent yourself from being able to develop true intimacy with another person which is really weird because I have come to learn and it's, this lesson came to me very slowly that masturbation actually improves my ability to be intimate with somebody because it improves my ability to be intimate with myself. If I can be present in my body, if I can figure out what works for me, what I like, what I don't like, if I can masturbate without feeling weird and ashamed about it or trying to avoid thinking about what I'm doing, if I can overcome all of those things and it took me most of my teenage years, I develop a greater level of embodiment, really. I'd go so far as to say that masturbation is an embodiment practice. And as such, I think it might significantly contribute to our ability to be present, to be intimate with ourselves, and therefore to be intimate with others. Another friend wrote to me this message and I thought it was absolutely fucking heartbreaking. I'm going to read it to you. Quote, So I was about 12, 13 when my stepbrother showed me a late night ETV movie and what to do. I recall not feeling much the first time. The second time I stopped because I thought I was going to pee. The third time when I finally came, my mind was blown wide open. I even invited another friend over to my house to show him what happened. He brought a porno from his dad's stash and I showed him what cum looks like. But yeah, I struggled massively. About a year or two later, I became a born-again Christian, but I couldn't stop. I masturbated every day and I would sometimes cry afterwards. 
My mom taught me when I was younger that God punishes us every time we sin, sometimes directly, like lightning was a result of my sins, and if the sin was bad enough, I would be struck, and sometimes indirectly, bad things happening mysteriously, the power would trip, the PC would break, a friend would leave me, etc. I spent years believing that every bad thing that happened to me was because I was unable to control my sexual perversion. It was so out of hand that when I married an amazing asexual woman, I didn't think twice about our sex drive differences. After all, I was hiding a perverted beast inside my heart, so this was just more proof of that. Thank fuck for self-journeys and great communication. I finally learned to love and accept myself, including my desires and needs. So I thought that was really a striking and very well put explanation of how something that was initially really cool and interesting and sort of mind-blowing, that discovery very soon turned sour when shame came into the picture and then lingered for more than a decade. And as I said, I heard many, many of these types of stories. But I finally reached a point where I was becoming a bit frustrated because I hadn't, I still hadn't really received any contributions by women. And first of all, I was still confused about why there was this difference in responses between men and women. And also, of course, I wanted to hear from them as well. Being a a woman myself, I'm interested in how other women came upon this. I remember very clearly from my teenage years that we never, ever spoke about this whatsoever. None of my friends, none of my female friends ever mentioned masturbation. And neither did I. And so really, looking back, I'm quite curious did they masturbate? Like, was this a thing? Was I the only one? I know that at the time I felt like I was the only one. And so I finally put out a call on Instagram specifically aimed at women asking them to send me their stories if they felt willing to do so. And that final call finally got some some messages. And thank you so much to everybody who responded, men and women, for sharing your experiences with me. I'm going to summarize a few of them and then at the end I'm going to read you two long responses by two people who who sent me voice note in the one case but I had to transcribe the voice note and translate it into English because it was an Afrikaans voice note. So I'm going to read you that voice note because I really want you to hear it in this person's own words and then another person wrote me a letter which I thought was really touching. So, at the end, I'll read you those two. One of my friends wrote me and said that she only discovered masturbation after getting married. She and her husband um, don't want to use hormonal contraception. And as a result, there are certain times of the month when they can't have penetrative sex. And so, together, they started experimenting with masturbation And then a whole world opened up for her. She was like, this is amazing. And um, now it's progressed to the point that she feels comfortable enough to do it without him. So it doesn't always have to be a mutual thing. And I thought that was a really lovely story. And I was also flabbergasted at the thought of somebody only starting to masturbate in their 20s. 
and I think it's really great also to be reminded that people are very different. Some people started masturbating at four, some of the respondents, and some started masturbating in their 20s. And wherever you fit on the spectrum, whether you masturbate at all or not at all, it's all part of this beautiful, wide range of possibilities. And it's all fine. (laughs) Another friend wrote to me saying that she discovered masturbation uh, after honestly being felt up by a boy at a party when she was a teenager and she struggled with the sensation of on the one hand not being interested in this in this boy in this interaction at the same time feeling aroused and then experimenting with that further at home and she said she continued feeling guilty about this for years and always wondered whether her sex drive was higher than others and only in her 20s really coming to a place of accepting and enjoying her own body. Another friend similarly also heard about masturbation for the first time through a boy who asked her if she'd ever done it, which immediately made her curious and made her want to find out what he was talking about. So she started as a teenager as well, but... Because she was raised in a very Christian home, she, like me, didn't want to think about any specific person or place or event that could that was remotely sexual. So she said she would literally masturbate whilst trying to think about schoolwork until finally finishing. So I can imagine that must have lengthened the process quite a bit. After school, she went to a Bible school And at this Bible school, masturbation was completely taboo. So once again, she tried to stop. And then after that, she started dating a much older man who was 20 years older than her. And it was only then that she really became comfortable because he encouraged her to get to know her own body. And for the very first time, did she move away from feeling awkward about this into a place of curiosity and discovery. And then only quite recently... Did her mom tell her that she had actually considered buying her a vibrator for her 18th birthday? And she was absolutely flabbergasted. She, In her message to me, she said, it could have saved so much time. It could have saved her so much pain if she'd known that her mom didn't disapprove of this. If her mom had given her that gift and she didn't have to spend another almost decade feeling ashamed of this. Okay, brief interlude just to tell you that my dog has entered the room and has started (laughs) snoring vigorously. So once again, you might hear him in the background. Right, then on to the two letters that I spoke of. And I'm going to read them without comments from my side because I think they speak beautifully for themselves. And here's the first one. And I read, I think why it's so difficult for me to talk about this is because I feel that it's so difficult to describe one's relationship with and one's perception of masturbation and of sexuality. It's all linked to everything else. It's so difficult to just talk about my experience with masturbation because I think it's difficult for me to decide what's relevant and what's not because I feel there are so many things that make us ashamed 
or contribute to us being ignorant of how things work and what's normal or isn't normal. So I'm just going to tell you a lot of shit from my life and it might be a bit incoherent, but anyways, here goes. I grew up in a very Afrikaans household. My parents were very strict and my mom was very paranoid, very overbearing and very like I never ever walked to school because I wasn't allowed to. My mom was always scared that someone would kidnap me. She made me aware from a very young age that people shouldn't touch me in strange places. So in that way, I guess my mom was quite open. At least she talked to me about these things. But then obviously when I became a teenager and went through puberty and started liking boys, and I really liked boys, I made out with a boy for the first time when I was 11 and my mom found out about it and she was beside herself. She was devastated. From the moment I hit puberty, my parents and my relationship became really, really difficult. I was very depressed. My parents were absolutely shocked and outraged about my behavior and obviously about my sexuality. And it's only now that I can see the picture clearly and only now can I think and speak about this because I'm older and I can look back to myself and to my circumstances. As an adult now, I can see myself as a child that I was, you know. So in my late 20s, around 30, I just really started thinking obsessively about what the fuck happened as I was growing up. What was going on there? Am I as shit a person as I thought I was? Should I really be ashamed about this and this and that thing? And also the older we become, the more exposure we have to other people and to their experiences and not only our parents. Because when you're in school and your parents tell you how to be a good person and what kind of behavior is acceptable and what is a good life to lead, what job you should be doing, you know, when you're in high school, it's like my parents basically made me study what I studied. And it took me many years after I'd already left school and I'd left my parents' home to chat with other people who didn't have that much shame about basically every aspect of their private lives. And that's also how I found out that many, many other people have gone through exactly the same things that I did and got into the same kind of shit for it. And like, I am not fucked up. Who knew? So yes, I went through a massive thing where I was very angry at my mom and them. So basically over the last four years or so, I've had to reparent myself basically. I had to go back to so many times that I was so deeply ashamed. And I'll get to that just now, but first, I just wanted to give you some background on where I was and who I was. So I was very angry at my parents about, for instance, the fact that my mom always told me that she and my dad had both been virgins when they got married. And my mom told me expressly that a man wouldn't take a used woman. So if you sleep with a man or move in with him, that men basically practice with such women and then they end up marrying a virgin. And obviously I'd grown up in a Christian home, although my parents were never very convincing believers, it was much more of a tradition, you know. But there were certain rules. And I think those had more to do with the moral foundation of Christianity rather than it being about a relationship with God. We also didn't talk about happy clappy stuff. We were in the Reformed Church, so there was this very formal, stiff, cold relationship with God. No fucking drums, no guitars, there's an organ, and you dress up neatly. And yes, it's very much also this authority thing. And that was kind of the relationship that I especially had with my dad, and still do. So all of this is somehow connected to faith. And then I found out 
my parents said to me, one evening over Christmas time, my mom said something about the fact that she and my dad had lived together before getting married. And I don't know if she realizes how formative those things had been that she'd said to me about being a virgin until marriage. I still feel so angry about this. She lied to me. And I think the reason that this is so hard for me is because she knows how it feels to be 16, 15 and to be horny. Every woman knows. She knows that she loved my dad and that they wanted to have sex. And yet she shamed me about it. Although she had also had such feelings and such experiences, you know. And I understand she also wanted to protect me because when my mom was growing up, things were like that. You didn't want to be a divorced woman or a single woman. That was a scandal. So those were my teenage years. When I was a little girl, as I said earlier, my mom, never my dad, my dad, he and I don't, can't talk about sex or anything like that. If we ever watched a movie on, on, on the TV or something and there ever slightly was a sex scene, my dad would immediately swap channels and we'd rather watch sport. And he continued with that until I was in high school, until I finished high school. And that's so fucking weird to me now, but that is how I grew up. But back to what I really wanted to say. So when I was a little girl, my mom, I was about six, my mom explained to me in very vague terms how sex works. The daddy is naked, the mommy is naked, and then they love each other in the bed, and then the mom is pregnant. Okay. And yes, I don't know, my mom always, there was, I was about six when my mom told me about sex. So in that way, I guess she was quite progressive. I have many friends who found out instead from school or from their older siblings or other people who weren't their parents. So I suppose in that way, my mom was cool. But then, and this is something I've only started talking about this year for the very first time, and I was traumatized by it, by something that shouldn't have been so traumatic in the first place. I had this friend, a girl, and I don't know what the fuck, but we did weird shit with each other. We kissed and touched each other, and I don't know why, but that happened. And then my mom walked into the room, and she was, her face, she was so disgusted. And she was just like, get out of the room. And for the rest of the day, she didn't look at me, she didn't talk to me. And yeah, until, until now, I wonder what happened. Why did she do that? Why did we do that? And we just never spoke about it again. And I've just been thinking about it all these years and felt so fucked up over it. And then this year I was listening to a podcast called You're Wrong About, which I love. And this specific episode was about Vanessa Williams and her life. And she was molested as a child by an older girl when she was little. The older girl was about 18, but also kind of a child. But anyway, when she was talking about this, the whole thing that had happened to me just came over me like a wave. And suddenly I was like, I was molested by this child. Or I molested her. Or something is fucked up here. Something is fucked up here. And it upset me so much. And eventually I told my partner something fucked up happened when I was little. Something really fucked up happened. I think I should phone my therapist. I need to see her. I need to talk about this. I think I need to understand this because I don't know what happened there. And then he asked me, don't you just want to try and tell me? And I just couldn't and I was crying. And then he asked me, is it someone close to you who did something to you? And I told him, no, it wasn't an adult. It was a friend. And then he said to me, but 
kids do weird shit, you know. And he said to me, okay, how about I tell you my most fucked up story? And he carried on and he told me about the one day that him and a friend had played a weird mommy-daddy game. And then his sister walked into the room and she was like, whoa, dudes, don't do that. And she didn't make a massive deal out of it. And he told me they just didn't do it again. And they're friends until today. And after he told me that, I told him what happened. And he just laughed, but in an interested way, not mockingly. And he said to me, well, that's not so bad. Later, a month or so later, a few friends and I went somewhere for the weekend and we drank quite a lot and just talked about all our baggage and shit. And somehow we ended up on this topic again. And I told them the story too. And (laughs) it's not just me, you know. Kids, our sexual selves start developing at a very, very early age. And this is where it starts. That's a seed. And I think all of this and all of the responses and my mom's response just fed into my general relationship with my own body and my sexuality. For instance, even the examples of masturbation we'd see in the movies with a woman lying in the bathtub and there'd be a fucking shower head involved. Or like once I came upon my dad's porn magazine, so he too had his own sexuality, but no one else was allowed to. But in any case, I came upon his magazines and I just saw women lying on their backs and touching themselves. And for me, I had always enjoyed lying on my stomach the most. And then to just use my hand like that. And because I'd never seen that pictured anywhere, ever, I somehow thought that, I don't know, that the way I did was just fucked up. I was extra ashamed about it. And then, for instance, at school, someone would say, so-and-so walked in on their sister humping a teddy bear. And then I'd be thinking, well, I've humped things, you know. And everyone would be like, ew, what the fuck about that girl? As if it were the most disgusting thing imaginable. And so I deduced, okay, that's not how everyone experiences things. So that's how it is. And that's how I'm supposed to also experience myself. And then one day I watched the film Black Swan and in that movie Natalie Portman masturbates and she does it lying on her stomach. And I was like, that's exactly how I do it. And it's just these small things. The thing is, if we don't talk about it, then we can't think outside the limits of the things that are being said and the things that are being presented to us as the reality. And that's my problem. For instance, I was in a relationship for my entire high school career in a very unhealthy relationship with a very manipulative, abusive guy. And I just thought to myself, well, I've slept with him now, you know, we've done stuff. So I just thought, well, I should marry him then. That's the only way God could forgive me. And then it wouldn't be so bad because at least then I chose him and I'll just remain faithful to him. Because I've also been used up now. I'm rotten now. Yeah, and I just think that if we... I could have loved myself so much more, so much earlier and been so much happier and I've made good choices for myself if only I'd had more information, accurate information, information that wasn't designed to make a woman ashamed about herself. But now that I'm older and the discourse around being a woman and sexuality and masturbation and sex and everything, as that changes... I just realized more and more, I am not a sexual deviant. I am just a fucking hot-blooded woman. So that's my story. As I said, I actually feel as if I spoke very little about masturbation. But I feel like that's just one part of a whole network of shit. 
It's small things like these conversations that just make me feel so fucking normal. And friends who talk about their vibrators and I'm like, okay, cool, yeah, that's normal. We do these things, you know, just to own who we are and to get pleasure from who we are from our own bodies and love our bodies. End quote. And then I'll move on to the last letter that I want to read you, which I also found, once again, very striking. And I hope you will too. And I read, Firstly, I would just like to say how interesting and surprisingly uncomfortable the journey has been that's been leading up to the point of me telling my story. Initially, when you announced that you were going to make this episode about masturbation, I was beyond excited and super keen to share my story through what I imagined to be a very easy flowing long ass voice note. But then for some reason, I kept putting it off and putting it off. I had to force myself several times to sit down and make notes and tried recordings numerous times. I just couldn't let it flow. I was completely confused by this as I am and have been super vocal and enthusiastic about this topic for the last couple of years. I love starting and having conversations about sex and masturbation and about anything that used to be taboo or shameful in my childhood. This blockage led me to investigate deeper into myself and I found myself going back to memories in my childhood that I hadn't visited in a very long time. Memories of four-year-old little me exploring my body with the most beautiful childlike awe, curiosity and innocence and then having that ripped away from me. This is where my journey with self-pleasure and exploration really started. Or at least, that's as far back as my memory allows me at this stage. This is my first memory, a precious one, but also one that breaks my heart and that angers me. One that I would have loved to rewrite. There I was. Four years old, naked and shamelessly sitting with my legs wide open in the corridor, bent over to investigate this amazing new part of my body that I had just discovered between my legs. It was like discovering any other part of my body, so completely natural and exciting. I was amazed and curious and playful. Obviously at that age I didn't think, ooh, this feels nice. In a sexual way, I was just like, oh my gosh, cool, look at this amazing, interesting thing I found that is part of my body I live in. Then one of my parents came around the corner. I think it was my dad. He didn't try to hide the shock and disgust on his face and made it very clear that whatever I was doing was wrong and horrible. Looking back now, I understand that he judged and criticized me and my innocent curious child exploring her own body because he obviously had mountains of shame about his own body and anything natural like sex or masturbation and a million other things that I now see as beautiful. But the message I got with my four-year-old brain was, you are disgusting, that thing between your legs should be ignored, your body is gross, your pleasure is shameful. And up until recently and still very much now actually, shame overwhelms me every time I do something spontaneous or natural or pleasurable or show my authentic self. I had been shamed and teased about this specific story so many times throughout my childhood and teenage years. I grew up in an extremely religious home. My father was and still is a very Christian man who believes that women should be governed and controlled by men. 
Women's bodies do not belong to themselves. Women should never ask for what they want and a woman's pleasure really doesn't matter. This is just a quick and small background picture of my childhood setting. I had always been a very strong-willed child and naturally took up space. I knew what I wanted and what brought me joy and I rarely hesitated to ask for it. It was very natural for me to be spontaneous and I did what I felt I wanted to do in the moment. That was who I was and still am under all the layers of anxiety and fear and trauma and shame. I started masturbating at the age of six or seven. It felt natural and good and exciting. I had no idea what I was doing or what it was called and I knew it was sinful in the eyes of God and of my family. I believed until the age of 12 that I was a freak for doing it and that I was the only weird girl on earth doing it. I remember as I grew older the constant battle in my heart between my strong natural instinct to seek pleasure and the shame voice. I was a very passionate Christian growing up and spent many nights feeling depressed and disgusting and disappointed in myself that I loved masturbating and having wild sexual fantasies. A funny story, my father's very religious friend once gifted me a brand new Bible with a beautiful embroidered cover and inside were little pockets with different color pens and a beautiful bright yellow highlighter. I was nine. I used to try and be a good Christian, so I would do Bible study and use the yellow highlighter to underline Bible verses. I would also use the highlighter to masturbate. It was the perfect size and weight and texture to explore myself and find out what felt good. Then, whenever I would do Bible study again, I would use the same highlighter to underline verses and I would cry and ask the Lord for forgiveness that I was using this highlighter to do His work and to do the devil's work. So as I mentioned earlier, I grew up in a home where everything was based on religion. We never, ever spoke about masturbation. I didn't even know other people also did it. I literally felt completely alone and creepy and disgusting. But that didn't stop me from doing it, though. When I was 11, a friend of mine came and told me with a shocked and disgusted face that she had just found out that some people do this horrible, sinful thing called masturbation. Obviously, she was also struggling with some shame around it. I couldn't look her in the eyes because I was obviously one of those creeps who had at that age already been doing it for years. I was overcome by more fear, but also by relief because at least now, one, there was a word for what I was doing and two, there were other creeps out there also doing it. I felt less lonely, but still very much lonely and full of shame and guilt. I was in a Christian school between the age of 12 and 16. Our one teacher, the pastor's wife, loved talking about sex and about how wrong and sinful and shameful it was to do it or even think about it before you got married. I remembered one day in class, she walked around the classroom, looking each one of us in the eyes, saying, Masturbation is wrong. Do you hear me? God sees you. God knows what you're doing at night in the dark. God knows what you're doing in your bed under the sheets. It's sinful and it breaks God's heart. And I just sat there wishing I was dead. High school was very different though. I went to a very large school and boarding school when I was 16. Here people weren't as religious as the small village town and Christian school I had been in before, but still very much under the influence of social conditioning. Boys spoke about wanking and joked about it all the time, but girls never, ever, ever, ever spoke about it. Never. 
It was an unspoken thing, women pleasuring themselves. The only times I ever heard girls talking about it was when they were whispering about that very creepy girl in our boarding school, that so-called one who masturbated and apparently, probably just fake stories, used carrots and Vienna sausages to penetrate herself. The girl they spoke about was seen as disgusting and an outsider and nobody would be friends with her. One time in my last year in high school, I was playing Never Have I Ever with two guys and a girl. We had to answer personal questions and be completely honest. The question came up, have you ever masturbated? The two guys said yes without blinking an eye and looked super chill and proud about it. I froze. I wasn't shy to say yes to previous questions like, have you ever given a guy a blowjob or had sex or anything? But this question made my whole body freeze and panic gripped my throat. I looked over to the other girl. She was a popular girl and nobody ever told carrot or Vienna sausage stories about her. She had lots of friends. So I was surprised when she looked at me with a naughty smile and said, oh, come on, who hasn't? And then said yes to the question. It was a moment of huge relief for me. I was 17 years old and for the first time in my entire life, another woman looked me in the eye and shamelessly said, yes, I pleasure myself, so fucking what? After high school, I completely moved away from religion and started following a more authentic path where I followed my own intuition. Today, at the age of 27 and a half, I have an interesting and complicated relationship with masturbation and I've recently started untangling negative or depressing emotions that come up during or after masturbation, all of them linked to shame or trauma. The process of writing and sharing this story and going back to my first memory of discovering what exists between my legs and how I can reclaim my pleasure and curiosity and innocent playfulness has been painful and liberating. We, as humans who masturbate, should have more conversations about masturbation. End quote. Thank you to everybody who wrote with their funny stories, their beautiful stories, their sad Really, really sad stories. These last two stories made me really sad. And many of the others did too. And there is really so much I want to say, but I think I should limit myself because this episode is becoming very long. One of the things is that it's clear from many people's responses that masturbation is very hard to discuss in isolation because it's also linked to gender identity, to trauma, to religion, to the development of one's sexuality, sexual attraction, sexual preferences, and later to really how one relates in the world. And it seems to me that many people's later wounding began with masturbation. What later became shame, generalized shame perhaps, about everything related to sexuality, what later became shame about intimate relationships, started out as shame about masturbation. And I think this is perhaps one of the most serious early wounds we receive in our lives when we are told that our pleasure and our curiosity is shameful. And it's interesting how many of the respondents said to me, I struggled with guilt, I struggled with guilt, but I couldn't stop. 
almost like it's a failure, you know, like a moral failing, like in spite of the fact that I knew I shouldn't or that I believed I shouldn't, I couldn't stop. And there's also something triumphant in that because in spite of shame, in spite of guilt, there are two things that are such essential parts of the human spirit that they will always come out. And those two things are pleasure and curiosity. Regardless of how much religion tries to steal that from us, we know somewhere deep inside that pleasure is not wrong and that curiosity is the essence of the human spirit. Exploration, play, all of that is so beautifully natural and I would go so far as to say God-given, however you define God. Another thing that I want to touch on again is the, the fact that people's first experiences of masturbation are clearly gendered. While respondents, while people who sent me their stories started at all different kinds of ages and had all kinds of different experiences and those varied completely across gender and in the same gender people had completely different experiences. Some women started late, some started early, the same for men. However, the shame that they experienced was wildly different. While both men and women told me that they felt shame, it was very often about different things. The men who reported feeling ashamed felt often ashamed about their quote-unquote urges, about their sex drive, although a significant group of them also felt guilty for religious reasons which was shared by women as well so it's just it's it's annoying and upsetting and honestly really depressing how many of the respondents felt guilty because they believed that god would punish them that last letter where she spoke about the pastor's wife making eye contact with each of them saying god sees you and god's heart breaks when you masturbate Can you think of something more harmful than saying that to a child, than saying that to a teenager who is decidedly masturbating, who's not going to stop masturbating, but now they have to carry the weight of of this person's unresolved shame, of this person's unresolved issues around their sexuality. Like the damage this does, I just, I, I, I find it so upsetting. And it was interesting that my one friend who responded who grew up in a non-religious family, was one of the very few respondents who said, oh, she just had a wonderful time. She just discovered her body from an early age and asked her parents about it at the table. And it was a little bit awkward, but she never felt ashamed. She just did it from a young age. And it's interesting because the Bible barely mentions masturbation. So even if you are a Christian, I don't know where this obsession with sex and masturbation comes from because it is really underrepresented in the Bible. In any case, I completely went on a tangent. What I was saying is that the men who wrote very often said that they felt guilty about their urges, about the intensity of their sexual desire, about the fact that they masturbated so frequently, and as adults, about how their sexual desire towards women would manifest. And that is also in itself heartbreaking because desire in and of itself is not something to be ashamed of. And... I know that many of my main of my male friends have a really uncomfortable and fraught relationship with their own desire. They either feel a bit powerless against it 
I apologize, my neighbor's kids are playing with their little motorcycles outside. I don't know how to quiet them. So hopefully it doesn't reach the microphone too much. Anyway, they either feel a bit powerless against it, almost at the mercy of it, or they try really, really hard to rein it in and not be quote-unquote creepy. And I'm just sad about that level of self-consciousness that men have adopted. And I mean, that's a whole topic on its own. That's a very, very big topic. This thing about how many times I see my male friends simply wanting to compliment a person but being too afraid of complimenting her because they're afraid they're going to get read as creepy. And um, I'm just sorry. I'm just sorry for the men in my life who carry shame about their beautiful and natural sexuality. As for women, their shame was compounded by the fact that nobody ever spoke about girls masturbating. While boys did talk about wanking, girls didn't. And when they did speak of anyone masturbating, as was evinced by those two last letters, it was to mock that person, to make them out as gross or weird or disgusting or deviant. And that was definitely also the case in our school. I remember the whispered stories about the one creepy girl who'd masturbate. Nobody ever knew if it was true, but the fact that she was painted as creepy, it's, it's utterly ridiculous. All of us were doing it. And it's also interesting, right, how school kids propagate the harm. There we are, teenagers, slowly coming into our bodies, and already we learn and we have learned to shame each other, to hide our own shame to mock someone else's expression of sexuality with very little information, no sexual education, all of us just vaguely aware of the fact that masturbating is embarrassing, all of us vaguely aware of the fact that God doesn't approve. And there we go, into the world, ostracizing others, shaming others, propagating the cycle of shame before we've even become adults ourselves. And that is just also really sad. But pleasure will out, and that is heartening. And fortunately, we are slowly, slowly moving into an era where we start talking about this, where we have access to more information. And I hope that for the people who sent these stories, this, this could act in a cathartic way, that this helped you just get rid of some of that old shame because that shame lives in the body and I think it stands in the way of us being able to enjoy our bodies fully even now as adults I know for me and for some of the other respondents even now sometimes feelings of shame wash over us as we are in our bodies as we enjoy ourselves sexually and for a long time I used to think oh, I feel ashamed, that must mean I did something wrong. That must be my intuition telling me that I've sinned. And then I started realizing, no, shame is learned. Shame is inherited. Shame is passed on. It is not a sign of your intuition telling you. It's not your conscience. There's a difference between your conscience and shame. And shame should never, ever be the compass. It should never, ever be the thing that determines what feels good to you or not. If shame comes up, it doesn't mean the thing that you're doing is wrong whatsoever. It means that there's a story here. It means that there's trauma here. It means that there's healing to be had here. I will end that here. 
with deep gratitude once again to all of you for sending me your stories. Let's continue this conversation. Mm-hmm. 